Thank you so much. Just to add my um, little plug for Ashburnham, I know it's a long, long way. It's a place right down uh, in Sussex somewhere. Um, and uh, we've been having, this is the third one we've done on a biannual basis. And it's the gathering of thousands of people uh, from not only across uh, the UK, but also across many nations that are coming in, uh, particularly across Europe. And so it is a wonderful experience to be with believers um, from all over these different nations together. You don't get an opportunity to do that. Is this okay? Can you hear me? Just to make sure it's sounding okay. And, um, and, and, and I just realized, looking at the luxury coach um, that has been booked for you, how many does it <laughs> take? How many people? 70 people. Seven, well, around about 70 people, which is amazing. And so what a, what a wonderful thing. And I was talking to Dan at breakfast this morning, and apparently there's reclining seats, there's videos, there's toilet on board, there's... I mean, it sounds... I've never been on a luxury coach before like that. So much so, I'm thinking seriously of flying up to Edinburgh just, just to experience what you're all going to experience to go there. I mean, 50 pounds? What's going on? It's like a bargain. So... Not only do you need to get there, we've provided all the means and the transport and the videos, and it's going to be wonderful. So if you can come and join us, um, if that's at all possible, you will not regret it. It will really build something into your life, which I'm sure will um, be something you'll bring back here, and it will live with you for, for many, many months to come after that as well. Uh, this morning, I'd like to speak on the subject of hope. I've entitled this uh, word, how to be a people of hope. I don't know how many sermons you've heard on the subject of hope, um, but you'll be surprised as I try to unpackage this for you this morning, how much a big deal this is in the Bible and how much of a big deal it is that you and I as Christians are meant to be people who display the concept of hope. One of the most famous verses in the Bible, you don't have to look at it, but from 1 Corinthians 12, 13, um, which was probably read out at Pippa's wedding yesterday because it normally is, and it says, Now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest is love. And so what you do out of that verse is then you preach a mighty sermon on love and you take it out of context and put it into a wedding service. And the reality, because it isn't, and the reality is um, that, that you hear that. And, and, and faith is probably a subject that many people hear. If you've been a Christian around the church for a, any length of time, you've probably heard someone preach on faith. If you're at the conference, the word faith came a lot so and it, it struck me the other day, actually, that though love of... I mean, faith and hope must be first and second, or second and third. It, it's kind of like, they're big deals. If the scripture is emphasizing, here's three important things, faith, hope, and love. And all we do is talk about love because that's the greatest. And the other two aren't so bad. <laughs> and the other two are quite vital. And you hear a lot about faith, but you, hope gets missed. Even secularists, sociologists in our nation, I've been reading about some of the things that said, one frequent quote I'm summarizing is basically we're in a society or a world without hope. There's not much hope around. In fact, increasingly um, in our generations, people don't talk or think very much of 
what may or may not happen in the future because we don't really think we're going to live that long or we don't think there's any worth investing in this because it's all going to be taken away anyway. And so today, in these few moments together, I just want to highlight that God's will for you, if you are a Christian here today, is to be a person filled with hope. And God's will for you as King's Church and the other churches that you come from is to be a community flooded with hope. Because it's God's will for us as his people to be a contrast to the society and the world in which we live. And if it's a hopeless world, then we are to be a people who exude hope. If you have your Bibles with you, I'm going to really preach out of one verse. I'm going to mention quite a few others. But Romans chapter 15, verse 13 is so full of amazing truth. Paul says to the Roman church, he prays really, and he says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And there's two things I quickly want to draw out of this passage. The first is this. God is described as may the God of hope. So God is declared as a God of hope and not just a hopeful God. That's very important. He's the God of hope and not just the hopeful kind of God that you hope he might be. It was quite fashionable um, about five to ten years ago, for a number of preachers to talk about the fact that God is, uh, is never in a bad mood. And I, when I heard this said, I, I was troubled by, by this phrase. I even spoke to one or two guys who said it and told them why I was troubled. Because I felt that God's never actually in a good mood either, which was, I think, the point of what they were saying. We kind of know what they were trying to say, God is a good God all the time. But I don't think the word God and mood can go in the same sentence. Unlike you and me, God is not moody. <laughs> Moods come and go like fads. You, you kind of feel things. I feel really hopeful this morning. Something happens, actually, I don't really feel very hopeful at all. I'm really hopeful in the church. We have a NAF Sunday. I'm sure you never have one of those here. And suddenly we'll go, oh dear, I'm not sure this church is even going to make it. (laughs) And so we kind of blow around with moods, good moods, bad moods, hopeful, not hopeful. And it's so important this morning to realise that we have a God who in his very essence is hope itself. It's who he is. It is impossible for God to not be full of hope. He is not a God who hopes that things will turn out okay in the end. And maybe if they don't, it doesn't really matter. He is the God of hope. Therefore, our hope begins and ends in him alone. My hope is not dependent upon my circumstances changing. It's not dependent upon Feelings. It's not dependent upon one another. 
It's not dependent upon myself. You'll hear a lot of people talking these days about the only one you can really trust is yourself. Find yourself. Put your hope in yourself. None of these things guarantee that you and I will experience hope. We can't even put our hope in that hoping that things will change and then we will be a hopeful people. Abraham faced this. It said of Abraham in Romans chapter 4, verse 18, in hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. So God had said to Abraham, you will have a child and your child will be the the father, you will be the father of many nations. And he considered himself old, considered his wife, nearly as old as me, impossible for us to have children. There's no hopeful signs. His hope didn't depend on a hopeful sign. It says here, it's an amazing statement, against all hope, in hope, Abraham believed God. So if you're somebody that's thinking, well, maybe the root of hope is in me or in people or in circumstances changing and, and maybe I, if I get more hopeful that way, even that doesn't guarantee and it's not the way you, you depend on having hope in your life. Our hope is in God. Our hope is in the God of hope. Our hope is, 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 is poured into our lives because of the very nature, his very character, his very essence of who God is. I'm sorry I'm laboring this for a few moments, but unless you get this, the rest of the sermon isn't going to work. Because we're going to get very practical in a moment, but you must have it rooted in this. The only reason we, the church, can be a people of hope is because we are worshipping the God of hope, the unchanging God, the one who never ever has a day where there is not hope for you and for me because it's very character. And so throughout scriptures you find the most remarkable statements. Let me remind you of a couple of them. Psalm 39 verse, nine, verse 7. Psalm 39 verse 7. And now, O Lord, for what do I wait My hope is in you. There's a whole lot of people here today that are waiting for something. So what are you waiting for? How are you going to wait? How are you going to be patient? The psalmist says, my hope is in you. Why? Because you're the God of hope. Psalm 42 verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? It's funny this. You find often in scriptures... Particularly in the Psalms, the psalmist is often speaking to himself. He's speaking to his soul. And you'll find there are many scriptures where we're commanded to speak to him. Come on, soul. You know, sometimes you come in here, you might have come here this morning and not felt like worshipping God. And then it's always annoying because the worship team are all very smiley and very, <laughs> very kind of up for it. And you go, oh, well, I don't feel like... And then something has to happen when you're like that. And one of the things that can happen is speak to your soul. Come on, soul, why are you downcast? Why? This is what's happening here in this. Why are you like this? Come on, praise God, worship God, he's faithful. So why are you in turmoil within me, soul? Look at this, hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my God and my, uh, my salvation and my God. Hope in God, why? 
Because he's an unchanging God of hope. I'm looking for hope. How can I be a hopeful person? Lift up your eyes and see this wonderful God of hope. Lamentations, chapter 3. I mean, there's hope in Lamentations. (laughs) Even the title is a bit of a hint to what the book's all about. Look at this in Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 21. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have in hope, and therefore I have hope. What do I call to mind? Here it goes. Steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. Even Lamentations has got something to say about hoping in God in the midst of it all. So, back to Romans 15, verse 13. The root of our hope is that we are worshipping a God of hope. And every day you can lift something within you and find the hope that God has for you. Second thing we get in this verse, and this is what I really want to talk about today, is that he says that you may, you may abound in hope. So the God of hope is now putting out something to us that we're to be like him. That you, the God of hope, will fill you so that you are bound in hope. It is God's will then that we become a people of hope and not just a hopeful people. You got it? We are a reflection of him. We're not to be a moody people. We're to be a people who believe that because God is a God of hope, we ourselves might abound in the same hope that he is because he's our heavenly father and we have his DNA. We've been hearing that all this weekend, or at least I have been, this, this identity, this reflection of who God is being manifest through us, the people of God. God is hope. We are a people of hope. How do we become a people of hope and not just a hopeful people? I'm going to suggest to you, based on God's word, that there are five answers to that question. Okay? And we'll see if we can get all of, through these as quickly as we can. The first is this, an obvious one. If we live in God, he will live in us. If I live in a God of hope not just believe in a God of hope, but if I position myself to live in a God of hope, surely his hope will become alive in me. That's the basis of how we become a people of hope. We touched on this yesterday, those of you at the conference, so I'll be very brief on this. In John 15, Jesus says, if you abide in me, I will abide in you. I think the God of hope is saying, if you will abide in me, the God of hope, then my hope will begin to be experienced by you. And it's not automatic. It's a choice. Will my soul today hope in God? If my soul hopes in God, God will pour his hope into my life. Now don't forget as we're going through this, this is absolutely vital because if you're a Christian and you don't have hope, then no one's going to notice you're a Christian. No one's going to see anything different from you and me if we're just as hopeless as everyone around. And as we'll see in a moment, it's not just waking up in the morning and whistling a happy tune and and turning over a new leaf and hoping the day gets better. That doesn't work. It really is rooted in, if 
I, my soul, everything I am, is rooted in him. Look at verse 13, if you've still got your Bibles open. It says, may the God of hope fill you. So, so when we are in him, he is in us, he fills us. When you become a Christian, this is an amazing truth, if you haven't heard this before, you don't just get saved. You are taken out of the kingdom of darkness and you are placed into the kingdom of God's Son. You are placed into the kingdom of light. The Bible says you are in Christ. When you become a Christian, you are not just saved, you are placed into Christ. So if we're in him, he will be in us. Check this out, Colossians 1.27. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So this is amazing. If you live in him, in Christ, Christ, the hope of glory, lives in you. It's been a long weekend. I just feel that I'm the only one really excited about much of this, (laughs) which is really sad because... This is really good news if you dig deeper and look. And I know I'm in Edinburgh, but just pretend you're joyful and we'll be okay. Number two, back to verse 13. How do we become a people of hope? Well, because if we choose to live in him, he will surely live in us and fill us with hope. Secondly, he says, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is really good news for some of you here today. I know it's been good news for me suddenly you realise that you can't get hope in God by your self-effort, no matter how hard you try. It's a work of the Spirit. It's just fantastic. So I'm hoping in God, and then I realise that God's hope is in me because Christ is in me, the hope of glory. I think, well, how am I going to work out this hope in my life? I must really try hard to be hopeful. And then I realise that it's a work of the Spirit. And whoever we are and whatever our background, this is... Totally, totally vital. See, the Holy Spirit has been given to us as our helper. He's not an option. And if you try to be hopeful without the Holy Spirit, you will not win. But if you will be filled with the Spirit and live by the Spirit and depend upon the Spirit and be being filled with the Spirit on a regular basis as an intentional thing, you will be filled with hope like everyone else, no matter what your temperament is, no matter what your personality is, it is not dependent on trying hard to be a hopeful person. So take Liz, my wife, and me. I, we've been married for 38 years, and I think I know Liz, and I think she knows me. Now, fundamentally, we're still on the journey of marriage, which means we're changing, and we're changing one another, etc., etc. But Liz is a, is, a, is a naturally kind of bright person, uh, full, naturally full of life, the glass is not only half full, it's always overflowing. Um, uh, you know, just, just her whole demeanour, her whole personality is a, 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 a pretty happy disposition. Um, and that's who I married. Now I, on the other hand, would be ten- have the tendency to be rather glum. I was actually in an elders' meeting once a few years ago, and I had been away, and I'd come back, and they were talking about the Sunday meeting, and it wasn't really very much of a good kind of report. And I remember me saying to them, oh my goodness, 
you know, I'm away for a few days and this happens and it was all the... And, and it stopped and the air was kind of an interesting moment. And one of my fellow elders said to me, Dave, I just want you to know I've known some glum people in my time. <laughs> but when you hit your glum spot, you're about the glummest guy I've ever met. I was outraged at this report. I was really offended and upset, and I went home to Liz. I said, you're never going to... She said, I've been trying to tell you that for years. (laughs) So I get it. I'm never going to be your happy, cheerful, hopeful kind of person. It's just not in my personality, but I'm a Christian. And uh, it's just sad, the thought of... Christian melancholics trying to be hopeful because they're now Christians surrounded by bright, happy people who always seem to be full of hope. I'm not as glum as I used to be. Uh, So they say. And I honestly believe it's as you learn to be a spirit-filled person, filled with the power of the spirit. And this is really good news. There's a transformation that can happen in your life. Genuinely, you may always have that inclination because it's your temperament, the way you made your background to be slightly kind of melancholic, but there's a transformation that can come. And so the basis of being hopeful is not on my personality. And just a word for Liz and for anyone else of a happy disposition... Your danger is you can rely on your own personality to get you through, and even that won't work in the end. So no matter whatever your personality, we all need the Holy Spirit to make sure we're full of hope. Number three, we're moving on nicely. Some of you are very hopeful that we'll get to the end. Number three, and, and, and again... This is something you can hear so often, but we need to say it again to know the promises of God. God's promise is to flood us with hope. It's a promise. I love this passage in Romans 8, verse 24. For in his hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. That's true, isn't it? That's true of life. If you've, if you've got everything, you're not hoping for it because you've already got it. But the Christian life, as we all know, is hoping for things that we are not yet experiencing. Uh, it, it's not yet our experience. And that's why hope's so important. Because if you're not experiencing it because you can't see it, then you need to be hopeful or flooded with hope that it might come to pass. If we have everything now, we would have no need for hope, that verse says. We become a people filled with hope when we start to believe the promises of God and we know that they are true and they will come to pass because God is faithful and everything he says to us will become a reality. So this this fills me with real hope that my hope is not dependent upon me but on God in me. My hope is not dependent on my personality but it's a work of the Spirit And my hope is not dependent upon me having everything, but actually learning how to live with patience and waiting for things. And in that, hope rises. 
because God, and I experience hope, because I say, I know it's tough. I know these things. There are some of you that are waiting for things. You're thinking, well, how long do I wait? But faith rises and hope becomes a reality. Well-known verse, Hebrews 11.1. 1. And in this context, it's really powerful because we're talking about hope. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things not yet seen. Hope is rooted in faith, and it gives us absolute assurance that God, who is faithful, will bring his promises to become a reality. What are you hoping for? What are you waiting for? Do you know that as you're impatient, as I am, and and frustrated and a bit disappointed and waiting around, actually, it's also an opportunity for hope to be experienced in you. I will hope in the Lord. I will trust in him. He is a faithful God. He will keep his promises. And you begin to experience hope. Number four. This is interesting because this is a passage of Scripture where I think we kind of (laughs) run around a bit. The writer to the Hebrews is inspired by the Spirit of God to say this. And I've entitled this fourth point, Consider Him. But it uses two phrases, looking to him and then considering him. And there's a real root of hope for us here, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Think about him, is what it says. Consider him often, who endured from sinners such a hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary and faint-hearted or lose heart. What the writer is saying this, if you want to experience hope, often think of Jesus. I, I know this sounds terribly simplistic, but often consider him. I do that. When things are a bit tough and a bit difficult and, and I don't know the answer, I find the most simple thing is to come back to the cross and to think of the work of the cross, and to think of what Jesus endured for us, and to think of him often, the one who died, the one who's risen from, oh, you know, hope started to come, the one who sat down at the right hand of the Father, which means he's in control of everything. Consider, consider, think of him. Why does the writer say this? Well, if you don't look at him deliberately, say, say you're in a race, if you don't look at what's important, you start to look elsewhere. Why does the writer say that you may not grow weary? In fact, you will get weary and you will lose heart. If you look at yourself, if you look at others and compare yourself, well, how's everybody else doing? If you look at, if you look at circumstances, the answer is to look to him who's been before you and gone through everything and endured everything. And then you find yourself flooded with hope. Maybe there's someone here today who's not a Christian. Maybe there's someone here who's visiting. You may be on Alpha. You may be looking at things and asking questions. My encouragement to you, if you're resonating with this this morning and thinking, well, I haven't got a lot of hope in my life and I don't find many friends have got hope in their lives either, my encouragement to you today is you can look to Jesus. And it's all the people around us. We're not these hopeful kind of people, as we've mentioned already, but our hope is rooted in him and what he has done for us, and we're overwhelmed, and we're reminded of our hope because our eyes are not on ourselves, our eyes are on him. And if you put your eyes on Jesus this morning, hope will begin to come to your life because he's endured and expressed the most wonderful love that anyone could know.
Number five, and finally, we need to learn how to overcome disappointments. And brackets, discouragement. When disappointments become discouragement, we've got a problem because discouragement is actually the opposite to hope. There are certain things that happen in life that rob us of this hope that God gives to us, that drain hope away from us. Very quickly, before we look at one or two of these things, to remind ourselves uh, as Christians that we have an enemy. And the enemy's one, he knows he can't take you out of the battle, but he'll try and make you as ineffective in the battle as he can. The Bible says, none shall pluck you out of my hand. The devil knows that verse as well. He's not trying to pluck you out of God's hand because he can't. You're secure forever. But he will make you as ineffective. And if he can rob you of hope as a Christian, you're going to find yourself not very effective in the purposes of God. So behind the things we're talking about, we do have an enemy who's our accuser. It's important for us to remember that. So as we heard in our meeting, we put on the armour of God and we stand firm. But I think things that disappoint me and maybe you and discourage me are things like this. When there is a delay, I find delays potentially very disappointing. Don't you? Anybody? Just find I wanted this to happen yesterday and I've been waiting all year and still it hasn't happened. And this sense of real disappointment and and discouragement comes in. Uh, Here's another one. People. I I find people very disappointing and very (laughs) discouraging at times. I'm I'm trying not to be glum at this moment, but be filled with the Spirit. But my experience is that people can be very disappointing. I, 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 I think we can make this mistake sometimes of putting our hope in people sometimes too much. Would, ask yourself the question every, every time you think like that, would I expect anyone to be putting their hope in me? That's a good way to do it. Now, that doesn't mean we lower the bar or you can't trust Christians. They're always, no, 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 no. We're the family of God. We absolutely believe that God's doing a wonderful work in us. And I, I can't do what I do without people. I love people. I'm strengthened, encouraged and everything. But there comes a moment where sometimes we can go a little bit too far And some of us, even here today, if we're really honest, have become disappointed with people, sometimes with leaders, sometimes with with friends, family, that sort of thing. Another obvious one is, is, is circumstances. Sometimes we can become disappointed and disillusioned because our circumstances sometimes seem overwhelming. We don't know how to get out of them. Here's another one. Try this for size. Our culture, our culture in the UK, if you haven't noticed, is not exuding with hope and joy and hallelujahs all around us at the moment. It is a nation which is fairly negative. Uh, You're drip-fed things all the time. It's a bit depressive. You read the stats, mental health, depression, high suicide rate, men ending their lives. It can all be a bit overwhelming and make society hardened and cynical and bitter and fundamentally, everyone's living for themselves. We're now consumerist society, trying to better ourselves, not think about our nature. Na- na- I mean, why does anyone want to move here, by the way? I mean, why does anyone come join this disillusioned, <laughs> negative, cynical world in which we all live? It's important that we understand that our very culture 
can sometimes, without us even noticing it, get under our skin. It's a bit like being an area where a lot of people are smoking and then walking away and then realise, I just, you know, there's a lot of smoke. Or if you were here yesterday when we were doing the burgers, if you went anywhere around that door, you would have been filled with smoke. It kind of it sticks, it gets in the hair, and in our society, number of these things, in the end, they kind of rob us. How do you stay hopeful in this kind of culture and delays and people and circumstances? Proverbs 13, verse 12, kind of sums it up. Hope deferred, let me say it again, hope deferred, which means delayed or postponed or lost. Hope deferred, things you had hope in, makes the heart sick. It's an important little phrase because it's summarizing to some of us the way we feel right now this morning. I've met people who are sick, not necessarily physically, though it sometimes can be like that, but sick spiritually. Um, they just, you know, they had such high hopes. And now, because of whatever's happening, they're pretty depressed. They're pretty, they're pretty low about things. And they're on the verge of giving up because hope deferred makes the heart, which means you, a person, feel almost sick because you're so disappointed and so disillusioned. Even depression can come in. Are you discouraged this morning by something that's disappointed you? Now here, we're not going to end in that disillusioned state, so don't worry. (laughs) Here's, Here's what we need to hear. You can't live there. If you've heard anything this morning, everything else we say, we know this is contrary to God's will for our lives. However justified you may feel you are, and some people have got lots of justification for feeling deeply disappointed this morning, you can't live there for the rest of your life. Your your, your hope deferred will make you sick. It'll rob you, and and you won't know this wonderful hope that we've been seeing this morning is is in God and by the power of the Spirit and is waiting for the promises of God. So we must learn how to overcome this world of discouragement and disappointment because God's will is we draw a line under it. We overcome our disappointments. Can I finish by just sharing with you some of the things that that I found really helpful that's lifted me? It's interesting, the Bible says, God is our glory and the lifter of our heads. I love that phrase. And I feel for some of you here today, as we're coming to a close, you, you're really discouraged. We're going to pray for you in a moment about some things. And you're sitting here today thinking, well, all that stuff theologically is just, you know, I, I agree with that. But in reality, this is when... Now, that needs to all cascade into this. But the reality is there are some practical things that will really help us to overcome discouragement. Number one... Remind yourself of truth. What do I mean by that? I mean constantly take the time to say, what does God say about this situation? And you'll find he will lift your head and change your perspective. Your circumstances may not change right at that moment. They might still be the same, but everything else has changed. You're worshipping, you're lifting your head because truth is setting you free, it's reminding you. Closely connected to this, number two is to renew your mind. 
I think most people would agree today, secular or Christian, that the mind is where depression lurks. And so if we are to deal with discouragement, one obvious solution is to renew our minds. And what do we mean by that? It means you may have these disappointing, depressive thoughts in your mind, and the more you think about them and know they shouldn't be there, it doesn't help you. You need to replace those wrong thoughts with the right thoughts. God's word says, think on these things. What are the right things? The right things are the word of God, the promises of God, the truth of God. And every time that disillusioned thought stays, there'll be another thought now saying, yeah, but this is what God says in his word. And and you find yourself being lifted again because your mind is being renewed. It's a massive topic, but it's important. Fill your minds with the thoughts of God. And this God of hope will transform your thinking. Number three, hang out with the right people. I mean, please, hang out with the right people. Some of us are disappointed and disillusioned because we're in a disappointed, disillusioned club within the church. In other words, we're a whole load of people like ourselves. We get comfort from it. Oh, I thought I was disillusioned. You're even more disillusioned than I. Can I feed off that? I, I was in a situation once in the early days of church where there was a certain home where lots of us gathered and the conversation was was pretty negative, cynical. And I was part of this group. I often would hang out there. And I I felt it begin to really affect me. And I realized people can have an effect. And I remember saying, Lord, what do I do? And I felt the Holy Spirit said, "Just just don't go there. Just walk away. And in order for me to to get rid of my glumness and disillusion that was being fueled by certain people, and this wasn't decrying them or putting them down, they were children of God, but they weren't doing me any good, or I wasn't strong enough to handle it. And so I stopped going. That was the solution. And started to hang out with people who were full of hope and can do me good. It would be lovely if that was everybody, wouldn't it? But honestly, some of us, we fuel our disappointment by some of the people we hang out with. Don't. Walk away. Find others that you can run. It's interesting that Paul in Galatians says, you were running well, who cut in on you? Not what, who. People can stop us running well. Choose your running partners well. Hang out with people who are encouraging and full of hope. Number four, have fun. I mean, seriously, Christians, if there's anyone in the world that knows how to have fun, it's got to be us. And one of the things that's stopping us is we take ourselves far too seriously. Can I say to you, if you're one of these Christians that takes yourself far too seriously, God doesn't take you too seriously. <laughs> and, and actually, none of us do either. So just drop it. And, and, and in the midst, I mean, I'm being serious, in the midst of uh, some of the, the overwhelming things of life, ju- just learn to take a break, lighten up, have some fun. The universe is still going to go on while you're having a bit of fun. And while you're not at prayer meetings every day and having fun, the universe is still going on. Here's another one. We have and always will have a wonderful future. And that's the thing that I close with today that causes us to be a people of hope. Because we have a future, I think we should wait. Some friends of mine are in very difficult situations in certain church life, and they're just about to throw in the towel. 
And um, my encouragement is to, to them has been, but you know, God has got a future for you. It's the best is yet to come. It's always about we being a people of the future. I said, I know, but it's really, I just said, please just wait. Wait, wait, wait. It's what Abraham did. We're to wait. This is not a time for giving up or walking away. Because you are sure that you have a future, you're filled with hope. Just wait and see what God will do. Do you know, throughout my life, it's amazing when people have done that. And then finally, they waited and God came through. It's an amazing moment. But they were all already flooded with hope before God did come through. Because they'd learned in their waiting that God has a wonderful future for them. Can we stand together? I just want to go back to Romans 15, 13 and end with this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that by the power of the Holy Spirit, I want to land with this as we pray, you may abound in hope. I think part of the reason that we need to understand how to be a people of hope is not just for ourselves, but it's that we might abound with hope and overflow with hope and become infectious to everyone around us. Not only those who are believers, but those who are unbelievers as well. Can you imagine the impact we'd make as a church if we were a people filled on a daily basis with hope, all of us, in in a world without hope, without even thinking, the hope, the God of hope in us would be impacting people's lives. And Father, today I pray that we, your people, will become a people of hope here in Edinburgh. Lord, I pray in this city, your church, whoever your church is, will become this people of hope. Pray for King's Church, that when things are going well or not so well, Lord, we will be reminded that the God of hope is in us. Hope again, O my soul. Abound in hope by the power of the Spirit and because of the promises of God. Our hope is not in ourselves. It's in an unchanging God who is never in a mood. He is the God of hope. Hallelujah. Some of you even now just drawing on that. Can I pray for people here today who are facing disappointment for whatever reason. You might be disappointed with God, disappointed with yourself, people, circumstances, things that we're not aware of but you know, discouragement, I believe that God wants to speak to you today and say, don't live there. Well, how long? Well, even today you can make a step. But even today saying, do you pray with me? I'm disappointed. And a process will begin of lifting that disappointment, that discouragement off your shoulders so that you are able to live in the hope of Christ within you, the hope of glory. Father, I pray again for anybody here today 
that is walking with that disappointment, discouragement, that you today will meet with them, lift it off them, and cause them to be flooded with your hope in the name of Jesus. Amen. I guess uh, you've already had the offer of uh, being prayed for today um, in our notices. And if there's something specifically today that we've raised about this issue of hope, whatever it might be, and you feel, I, I really don't want to go home from here today without someone speaking to me or praying with me, then just be wonderful to see loads of you being prayed for today. Amen.